0: Like I said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Let's find out. This is the Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is screenwriter Tamsin Raffin. Hello. Now, we're going to do five great rom coms. just for the listener's benefit, the rules the rules of this game stem from a show I've been doing for a while called Five Great British Horror Films, which is which is expanded into musicals, which is expanded into thrillers, which is expanded into feminist tropes in horror films. What I'm trying to say, in a very roundabout way, is you're the first to do rom coms, so the floor will be yours to establish the rules according to Tamsin.
1: Oh, I spelt floor F L A W. You mean F L O O R, don't you? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I'm sure the floor will be mine by the end of this.
0: I will have messed up,
1: talked for over five minutes and cited about nine rom-coms instead
0: of five. But let's try, shall we? You've made a little short film that's kind of gone a bit viral. Do you want to just quickly tell the listener about that? I'll be putting a link in the show notes to it. But
1: I like the the fact you said the listener's singular.
0: (laughs) It's one-to-one, this. It's one-to-one. They're not all in the same room. (laughs)
1: So basically, I was pitching a uh, major Hollywood rom-com for a studio with an actress and I was actually, whilst in lockdown, pitching virally, like on camera, to a Hollywood studio and actress, and it was taking up all of my time, and it was brilliant, and it was such a great experience, and I got down to the last two, and I pitched to the studio head and the actress and a load of development people in the background and stuff, and uh, at the end of last week, or the week before, I got one email that said, thanks for all your time, but we went the other way. I was down to the last two. And it was very easy to oh my god but instead i decided to do a little animation which is something that i started doing when i go i go to greece every year so we go to greece every year with my husband to visit my father-in-law and because i've been going for 18 years it gets quite samey so i started making stop motion with uh playing playmobile people well i think that's what they're called that you can buy in the only toy shop on the island and so I went through the box after the, I didn't get this job and I made a little lockdown film called Lock Me Up, Lock, Lock Me Down, which is a little Almodovar uh, joke to myself there, um, that uh, was about a person, i.e. me, going sh- totally stir-crazy whilst in lockdown just on the first day. And um, I sent it to a couple of mates and one of them put it on Twitter on Monday and it's, what does it say, Thursday. It's got about 110,000 viewings. It's got over a thousand on my YouTube, new YouTube channel I had to start. So it's all gone terribly exciting for a minute. So I'm in the process of making wallpaper for the sequel.
0: It is the perfect antidote or even explan film filmic cinematic explanation of what the lockdown is. I think a lot of us that don't have real things to worry about like caring for the the world. Yeah, yeah will recognise what's going on.
1: Well, I, th- I think that's the thing, and people keep saying, have you bugged me? Or have you been you in my house? And like, like, even, like, famous people have retweeted and stuff and commented and things. And I think it's for once in, the, in our entire lives, literally the playing field is levelled. Everyone's doing in the same situation most days when they're awake. What am I going to do today? And how am I going to keep myself from going mad?
0: I've actually now named my Twitter, what day is it?
1: <laughs> I, know.
0: it was only, I know. And it was only because I'd, I pictured my diary that I knew it was a Thursday today, because I woke up thinking it was a Friday, and I thought, oh, no, I'm speaking to Tamsin, that was Thursday, wasn't it? And I'm thinking, yeah. what, h- how have I become this? I am an adult. My brain hasn't stopped <laughs> functioning. Oh, but the thing
1: but- was, I was, I was never an adult, so it's just chaotic here, as you can well imagine, with feral... We don't wear clothes the cats eat us when we sleep it's just ridiculous but it's fine because we're well we know we can sort it out when it's over but for now we've just got to get through it
0: before we get into the specifics of your five great rom-coms let's talk more generally about what's so appealing about the rom-com i'm looking at the notes you've given me which is a huge list of brilliant films a shorter list of john hughes specific films some actors yeah. who suit rom coms a lot, and my favourite bit is the last point you make, which is I tell you what's <laughs> disturbing while you were sleeping, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, can we? Because <laughs> I, to be honest with you, whenever you stop to think about any rom com, they're all fucking disturbing yeah. in the end.
1: No, and that's because it's you it's you. I know you, and it's it's your mentality. They're not they're beautiful, but Kelly,
0: is there a point at which the idea of a rom com was cemented? In your mind, as in film history, is there a point at which that is a subgenre?
1: Well, my I think my mum probably introduced me to the rom-com via John Hughes, which I didn't realise was the rom-com. But I was trying to think about this this morning mm. in the shower yeah. uh, as to think, why would it have been my mum? Because she's not a very romantic person. And, you know, it's not her type of film. But I was thinking, my parents are very young. They had my brother and I when they were very young. Mm. And so my mum, when I was a teenager, would only have been in her... Mid thirties, and that's you know that's prime rom com viewing, isn't it?
0: That's that's the demographic you want to get in the cinema, isn't it?
1: Exactly. So it's no wonder. And then when she never let me be off school, so I don't know why this is my overriding memory. And I will be talking about this with my first film that we're going to deal with. Mm. But she used to go to the video shop. And she'd always get me out, pretty in pink, sixteen candles, uh, like those kind of movies. Class was her favourite. She had a crush on Andrew McCarthy. Mm. Um, so she, you know, she always used to get those out. But also, I've always been a big fan of the old movie, like Pillow Talk and The Shop Around the Corner. And we, I've watched White Christmas every Christmas for forty years, or you know. So and and in essence, that's a rom com. That's those two those two men, Bing and Danny Kaye, trying to pull two women. So, and I think, ultimately, the thing that we chose to watch at the weekends together as, as, as my mum and me was that. And then my dad would put a war film on and my brother and he would sit and call us drippy and do all the cliches, all the, you know, the 80s cliches. <laughs> so I just remember it being part of my life. But what's then happened is it segued into this, this sort of safety net for me. And I think a lot of people will understand this, but there's sort of that thing where you've got that safety of structure, and having written many rom-coms subsequently, and it is my favourite thing. If I could get a full career just writing rom-coms, I definitely would. But uh, there's that sort of safety of structure, the inevitability that it'll be all right in the end. The you can get the dream. It's you know it's often aspirational. If you look through them, and like I sent you a list of some that I really enjoyed, and I probably it was the tip of the iceberg. But largely, the girl works at a fashion magazine and has a really nice wardrobe and you know the man's got a really nice car and um, oh i didn't think mystic pizza so that's a good one um but you know like there's all of those things that are just it's aspiration the clothes are nice it's glossy and then very quippy well the good ones very quippy, um, funny, like smart. They, you know, they they try and do something that the others haven't while still conforming to that safety net that I'm talking about. And then they have jaunty music and a funny sidekick. And I suddenly was like, they have great, you know, SNL type actors as the best friend. And I was like, that's always a role I liked a lot, was I never particularly liked the drippy girl, makes the asshole boy who gets, you know, they end up going together. But I just and then you know they're not going to get together because at page seventy-five they're going to have the you know the dark light of the soul. Oh God, you know it's not going to happen. <laughs> All is lost. And then they'll end up running to the airport to make up for it, and there'll be a dramatic ending. And you feel so like. I don't know why I feel so happy now. It's silly, and I'm not really a girly girl particularly, mm. but it really, really appeals to me. And I think I would rather watch back-to-back rom-coms than any other genre if I could choose, because I just feel safe and happy, and I get a laugh.
0: I think, like a lot of genre, and and horror being my main. Point of reference, yeah,
1: the exact opposite, <laughs> yeah.
0: But but what what I think is interesting though, when I look down that list of films you've, you've given, you think of something like, The Apartment, or Knocked Up, or Bridesmaids, to name to name three that stand out that I, that I really like myself, or even Elf for that matter, which is a bit dafter. But yeah. there's an element there's an element to them which is sort of you can play with the with the with what is the expectation of a soppy ending. But also yeah. ram home some really quite sharp points at people as well.
1: Well, I th- I think when we go through my five, I think I kind of surprised myself because I almost felt like i have been letting down people that genuinely love rom coms as I do that I didn't choose. The five most obvious ones. That, and in fact, the apartment was so near to being in there, mm. and it's so dark and has a suicide attempt, and he's downtrodden, and all manner of things. But the, I, I, love the, I, love the, um, I love the obviousness of the, you know, like J-Lo. It's like she didn't even read the script. She just turned up and did the same part each time. Mm. But the ones that I've really enjoyed are the ones you've picked out, which are these edgier, the ones that are genuinely funny.
0: But this still there? I am, yeah. That didn't sound like the end of a
1: sentence. <laughs> yeah, I like to do that to people. Or just walk off. Just mind drop in the middle of a sentence. Um, but when I was pitching on that call, and I can't say who it was with, but the studio head that I was pitching to, uh, after I'd done the video call, we had this very interesting conversation about rom-coms. And I said, I really hoped... You know, like it feels like as a Brit- uh, Britain, we're brilliant at them. It's something we can do. We have great romantic comedy leads. And this was going to be American, but we have great romantic comedy leads like Hugh Grant and people like that have really proved that. Plus, we have a very good sense of humor. So it was something romantic and comedy we could do. And he said, whilst we all absolutely adored those John Apatow ones, it almost killed off the traditional rom com because it had so much edge. And they were snarkier, and they were, you know, they were less romantic than any of those. And it killed. And then then John kind of like tapered down on his on him doing them at all. And now suddenly there's a hole where they once existed.
0: I, well, I mean, just thinking of a, more, of a recent. I know it's not. I don't think this is a Judd Apatow. One. I think did Seth Rogen write Long Shot?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, did he with Evan Gold? I don't know. Switch I mean, and, he's uh... in it
0: obviously with He's through um, and. That one was probably the greatest sort of cross between having that hard edge but being soppy as hell all the way through at the same time. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, it was on the, you, you knew where it was going to end for the moment it started, but it went through some really sort of almost like genuine SNL sketches, never mind. SNL, SNL acting.
1: It feels like people are more willing to accept. But I, I what I really like at the moment is that Netflix seems to have picked up the baton and um, the Amy Schumer. Um,
3: uh, I feel wreck. pretty.
1: No, no, no. That's made specifically for Netflix. And then there's a Rebel Wilson. Isn't it romantic? And they've both been specifically made for Netflix. And they are quite feminist. And I think this is going to be quite interesting when we talk through our five minutey ones. Mm. Is that well, actually, it's probably not the same with mine, but women aren't... Simple. You know, it, the the concept is very different now because well, there's much more, especially since the Me Too movement, it, there's, you know, the rules have changed. And both of those on Netflix have managed to address that while still maintaining the romantic edge to them, which has been really good. And I'm hoping perhaps that's the corner we're turning.
0: Yeah, because I'm going to say, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if if Me Too's had more of an impact on on the willingness to make rom-coms than maybe what Judd Apatow's done to sour it
1: yeah well that's only been about two years though and really it's been a long time I mean i tell you what did really well was crazy rich Asians and not only does it the, the first full Asian cast as you well know, and I'm t- teaching grandma to suck her eggs at the moment but that sounds gross the way I said that <laughs> um, but uh it also it was proper rom-com it was a proper rom com. I was overjoyed by that. I was going, "Are they going to come back? They're going to come back."
0: Yeah, because um, so uh, yeah, come. On. I was going to say yeah, because when you talk about it's a classic rom com, that idea of the structure. I remember, uh, I think probably my second ever writing class being shown the 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 sort of they they're attracted, they're repelled, they're attracted, they're repelled, and was yeah. this drawing of of lines going in. So it ended up just being looking like a lot of X's up the page. And you yeah, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go, oh right, yeah, and you know, and then you, when when you and and they do conform to that, and then and then you realise that's every buddy buddy movie as well.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. It's not it's not particularly original. You just add kisses where you'd add laughs, or you
3: know.
0: <laughs> right then. Well, let's let's jump in then with the five. Yeah. And like I said, and I know I know you've I know you've threatened me that you'll keep talking, but I don't mind if I you know. do. But, no, um, I
1: won't, I won't. I don't know if I've ever, I, I assume you're gonna talk, but it's a conversation, it's yes, not yes, yes, you. you're monologuing. not monologuing.
0: Yeah, you're not you're Good not monologuing Lord. about it. I mean, I'm hoping that <laughs> you'll start off with got... at least thirty seconds of a burst, maybe, you know, what, what thrills you about yeah. it. Um, yeah. Um I'll I've I've written down some things, so I'll be able to help you. I, yeah, I'll yeah, be yeah. I'll be honest, I've not seen sure things, which will be our first one. But yeah. but beyond that, I'm I'm all right with everything else. So um yeah. So let's start there. The first one, 1985's, introducing Nicolette Sheridan, The Sure Thing. two <laughs> sides.
1: Gibson! What? Don't you have an eight
2: o'clock? What time is it? Nine to eight. Uh- <laughs> Walter Gibb Gibson lives life on the edge. What do you think of that guy Gibb? I don't. Forget it, Gibson. I hear she likes the intellectual type. So' an intellectual and stuff. You're flanking English, that's your mother tongue and stuff. Allison Bradbury favors a more orderly existence. 7 o'clock news, 7.30
3: shower, 7.45, phone call. 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock, I don't know, that's when I rearrange my sock drawer. <laughs> they
2: have very little in common. How would you like to have a sexual encounter so intense it could conceivably change your political views? <laughs> Except that each has someone waiting in California. Gib, I'm talking to you cordless. What are you doing for Christmas break, huh? There's a certain someone here I want you to meet. For Gib, the girl of his dreams. A guaranteed sure thing. You want it. I want it.
3: You know I want it.
2: For Allison, her boyfriend. A respectable, safe thing. How about a good hot mug of China Black? And from a small New England college, both are willing to travel across the country by car. You
3: no know I should have taken the bus.
2: What and wind up sitting next to some sleaze bag? Some sleaze bag you don't know? By foot? By truck? So what's in California? Girl, supposed to be a sure thing. A sure thing, no questions asked, no no strings attached, no guilt involved. A sure Sure thing. thing. Together, they must overcome enthusiastic travel companions.
3: Hi, welcome aboard. I'm Marianne Webster. And I'm
2: Gary Cooper, but not the Gary Cooper that's dead.
3: <laughs> 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 Hop in. <laughs>
2: Personality conflicts. In the middle of nowhere, it's cold, there's no cars, you stay in hitch. You're gonna walk? It's almost 20 miles. And don't follow me. And Mother Nature. I
3: have a credit card. I have a credit card.
2: My dad told me
1: specifically I can only use it in case of an emergency.
2: Well, maybe one will come up. But adversity often has a way of making strange bedfellows.
3: I'll try it. I swear. I trust you.
2: (laughs) And somewhere on the road to a sure thing, Allison and Gib just might discover the real thing. Beth. Thank you embassy pictures presents a new film by rob reiner the sure thing my whole life i never had a sure thing
1: this is completely conformed until my mom went to the video shop and brought it back we were obsessed with this movie me and my brother my brother's three years older than me and it and it just appealed to Every single thing, we were obsessed with Americana, both of us. My brother now lives in America, so he wins. Um, But we just loved that idea of just, um, you know, high school, the red cups, you know, cool kids, the jocks, the, you know, there's a pretty girl, there's a, you know, there's a dorky girl. We loved all that. So the sure thing, which absolutely would not be able to get made anymore. um, And I've just used it as a reference for that big picture, actually, because of the road moviness of it was about a guy, John Cusack, who was only 17 when he filmed it. Um, he, his, his mate who's at UCLA or something, and he's over in New York somewhere, give, gets him a short thing, and it's Nicolette Sheridan. She sends her a photo in a white bikini and saying, if you can get across America, uh, you can you can sleep with this girl. She's a sure thing. And he ends up hitching a ride with a dork from university who's particular, and he's like wild and crazy, and she's really boring and schedules everything. And, of course, they fall in love in the traditional structure. But, I mean, it's really funny. It's really funny. I I watched it again recently for research and just realised
0: I'm laughing out loud still. Shades of planes, trains and automobiles, judging from the trailer, Um, the kind of calamitous, you know, the long long epic journey. I love the analogue world of the 80s, the idea of just not being able to ring up someone and say, pick me up.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know who, their first their first ride, who I didn't know who this was at the time because I would have been young, 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 um, and, and he says, Hi, welcome aboard.
3: I'm Marianne Webster. And I'm
2: Gary Cooper, but not the Gary Cooper that's dead.
3: <laughs> 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 Hop in.
1: <laughs> it's Tim Robbins, and you should see him. He's like a child that picks them up. Um, and it was only when I watched it this time, I was like, Cody hell, sure, Chase, Andy Dufresne picked them up. It's, but it's very sexist, and it's very, girls shouldn't do this, boys should do this. It's very much, like, and I'll tell you who else it's got. It's got Goose from um, Top Gun as his best mate that set him up. So there's lovely, even watching it now, it bears up, and I still think it's a classic. And just watching it and knowing every line and being that irritating person that says it two seconds beforehand. And ultimately, when she meets, gets back over to America, she's going to see her long-term boyfriend, and he gets to the short thing. They can't go through with it. He can't sleep with the short thing, and she realizes her boyfriend's a big dullard. And they try and find each other across a crowded party. And I just was like, I'm so happy <laughs> that you two did this.
0: I was I was equally seduced by Americana in in the '80s, and obviously John Hughes films is is part of everybody's sort of. I guess everybody's canon who's in their forties, whether they like it or not. Um and and you just looked at college life and you looked at where you lived and you went, God, it's here.
1: And just even like I just remember being just a child going or like getting into my teens, going, I wonder if I could ever wear a white bikini. Now I have to say, I never have (laughs) been able to pull off the white bikini. But and she had like a hair and I said to my mum, Could you could you do my hair like that? I just For me, and I had completely the wrong role model. My role model was the sure thing. Not the dorky girl that's really organised and wants a career.
0: (laughs) Have you seen seen Daphne Zuniger, who plays the, the dork? S- oh s- she's
1: never done anything, has she
0: since? Well no she but, but she's there's a quote from her that says it's hard to admit it, but I really was a lot like the character.
1: Oh yeah, and you can tell. And I didn't like her at all and I kept saying, Sleep with the girl, sleep with the girl, this is why I'm so wrong and why I probably shouldn't be doing this. But it was just it's just such a fun and it's so quotable. And there was also there was a thing in it where he had a, a can of beer and he shoved a ballpoint pen in it. I don't know if you used to do this. You put your mouth over the hole and then you open the Shop ring. Gun hole. In a beer. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. Am I teaching grammar again? No, no, because yeah.
0: that's, that's one of my fun facts. Uh, apparently that was yeah. John Cusack's idea.
1: Oh, what's it? Yeah, he told yeah, Rob so Reiner
0: sh- he could do it. So, so he said, have a go.
1: I made everyone at my school, I went to a girl's school, all the girls watched that. Mm-hmm. And then all the hardcore girls that I liked best, we all learnt to shotgun a can of Coke.
3: I can, so I mean, it's coke. not quite
1: as cool, yeah. But like we were like twelve, oh, but okay. that was what we, yeah. But that's what we had to do. God, the belch that you do after that—I tell thee, it
0: hurts. <laughs> oh, because I, I was saying to you before we started recording, when you look on IMDb, Sheridan is actually credited as the sure thing. She doesn't actually have a name.
1: No, she doesn't deserve one. I think <laughs> she's just tall and beautiful, and also, I mean, he's such a door, and he's so irritating in it. And in fact, that's my oh, person. the alarm's oh. going gone off, Townsend.
0: Done. I was done. I was done. Okie, okie. Well, look, we're going to dive into. We're going to fast forward now to 1989 and your second directed by Rob Reiner film. And I should, before I start the clock, I just wanted to say what's interesting about him being sort of. Um, I mean, he's done, you know, misery, few good men, as well as
3: two yeah. two
0: great rom coms that are on your list. But I don't know if you follow him on on uh, Twitter, but he's hilarious.
1: Oh, but he's a, he's a comedy actor as well. He's yeah, in, yeah, um, I suppose. But he's... he's like, plays Jess Day's dad a New Girl and everything. I mean, he's all, you know, he's, he is, I can imagine he's hilarious.
0: Well, but in, in a, but let's
1: dive in. You can start the, start the clock because I can talk to you about this more.
0: Can you? Okay, then. Yeah. Men and women can't be friends because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her.
2: So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive?
0: No, you pretty much want an L.M. too. Greg.
2: No, I don't like to eat between meals. (sighs)
3: I'll roll down the window. A faceless guy rips off your clothes, and that's the sex fantasy you've been having since you were 12. Exactly the same.
2: Well, sometimes I varied it a little. Which part? What I'm wearing. You tell her about other women.
3: Yeah, like the other night. I made love
0: to this woman, and it was so incredible, I took her to a place that wasn't human. She actually meowed.
2: You made a woman meow?
3: Are you comfortable?
0: Sure. To talk.
3: What happened? What's the matter? Harry came over last
0: night. I went night. over to Sally's last
3: night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting and married. One thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing. To make and a then long story short, we, we did, did it. it. They did it. It's challenge.
1: <laughs> I'm difficult. I'm too structured. I'm completely closed off.
2: But in a good way.
1: And I'm going to be 40. <laughs>
3: when? <laughs> Someday. In eight years.
1: It's not the same for men. Charlie Chaplin had babies when he was
0: 73. Yeah, but he was too old to pick them up. The clock is off. Tell me about 1989's When Harry Met Sally.
1: Now, I would be an idiot and a fool and a charlatan if I didn't choose this. And in fact, I love this rom-com so much that one of the tables at our wedding was called When Harry Met Sally.
3: Really?
1: It's just genius. And this is the rom-com that I would rather have written. Or the film, full stop, the film. I'd rather have written than any other movie in the entire history of movies. Hmm. And it came about because Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron were best friends in real life. And one of of them, I think he had said that to her, men and women can't really be friends. And so basically she wrote it, but he provided, he was Billy Crystal and she is um meg ryan's character so harry and sally uh in real life and so she went away and she just wrote her and rob and her doing the particular ordering she's a real foodie but it has to be right and him like loving big baseball and just saying things like i actually made a woman meow she just took all of their things from real life and i think part of the reason it's so brilliant is because it's so true to them and there's you know the the best the best of everything is always when it rings so true to the character and because I should say romantic comedies that work and the ones that I really like and the ones that i 'm citing i think is, is are character comedies a lot more than they are the cookie cutter ones, and there is no better i mean and also and this isn't to do with the writing, this is sparks of genius from him, I think, He's just including those pieces to camera with the old people. We met in 1983, what's in 1983? And all of that kind of stuff. It's just bloody brilliant. It just makes it... just.
0: To add to to that authenticity, those married couple stories were real, but it was actors relating the stories.
1: That's right. And it's just brilliant because it is slightly a a fractured story. And I think you'll see with a lot of my following ones I'm going to do, I've chosen fractured narratives and not traditional structure. Mm. Um, And I think this is the start of that was... That he's, he punctuates well by using those because mm. for a minute you forget that that scene doesn't follow on from the next scene and it doesn't matter that we've time jumped and that we don't know what's happened in between and you never see their parents and you know like all of those things that, that, that they, you take such care to write in other types if you can nail it as well as this script nails it you don't need all of that the backstory of like where are your folks <laughs> or... How did you grow up? Or you literally just know their relationship history and why they are that you know they're going to prove that men and women can be friends. But also, I just have to cite as well that lovely scene where they have slept together and she just becomes the archetypal woman and he becomes the archetypal man. That's just brilliant. It proves their concept, and then it's up to him to come all the way around and have to have the realisation, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of work, and I can't recommend it enough.
0: <clears throat> I mean, didn't... I mean, in a way, Nora Ephron became kind of like the... um the sort of godmother of rom com, didn't she really? In a, in a, Absolutely,
1: in a... and I've read I've read all of everything she's ever written. Plus, there's several books called like I'll have what she's having, hmm. which is about her influence on rom com world. And there's two books about her uh, written by friends posthumously about what she was like as a person, and then there's a documentary called Everything is Copy, and then there's one of the best books I've ever read about screenwriting uh, by her parents, Henry and Phoebe Ephron, and they were screenwriters back when Fitzgerald was at the studio, F. Scott
3: Fitzgerald was Blimey. at the
1: studio and everything, and they talk about how the studio system works, and just, I can't absorb enough of her, and I don't care. Like, I like, oh, I didn't put you've got mail on that list. I like you've got mail. I like, C- since Seattle, less, but I I'd rather watch it than a lot of other things. I even bought Bewitched the DVD, which I thought was terrible, but still, I'd, I'd rather Nora Ephron than anything in the world.
0: Nora Ephron's very generous as well. It would appear from what I can, from what I've snatched in quotes, the "I'll have what she's having" line was, oh, yeah. was suggested by Billy Crystal. She, uh, she's.
1: And you know who acted it out? No, that's Rob Reiner's mother that says it. Oh, really? mm
0: Hmm and in yes. a, and and in in a radio interview she credited yeah. meg ryan for uh, not only the idea of faking the orgasm but also oh, se- yeah, also it. setting it in a restaurant which is even more mental the fact that it cuz i guess we're used to hearing people saying oh you know reducing the script down to the dialogue but the idea that she she suggested the setting as well
1: yeah i mean it just it, that's yeah i suppose that is really nice but i just i it, she, it was remarkable. And she, she wrote Heartburn when her...
3: Oh, oh that's, no. that's,
0: that's the, that's the Husband fact.
3: left her! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fast forward into one of my all-time favourite films, I think it's safe to say. It is 1993's Groundhog Day.
1: Right, I wouldn't say technically that a lot of people would think of this as a rom-com, although to me it staunchly is, because it is so peculiar and I asked my 15-year-old goddaughter the other day, I'm obsessed with this and I think you and I have talked about this before Mm. of just how much we love it and there are, you can get hold of the original script, can't you, Mm. and um, there's actually a book online, it's a Kindle book, which I can't abide by it, but there's a Kindle book about about Danny Rubin, his name's writing of it, uh, the original script and um, it's fascinating i mean you couldn't make it more fascinating and i think as the time went on i'm not sure he wrote it as a rom-com and it subsequently became one but again strange fractured narrative not told in a traditional way uh the res it's a horrible horrible flawed character he's an absolute git and it's my favorite type of character and bill murray is the King of that role, isn't he? I mean, that kind of. Role. I was going to say, and he's.
0: He, I mean, Anna McDowell obviously is, is is queen of the rom com, as it were, and certainly she she appears yeah. again in your list. Uh, but Bill Murray's not the obvious rom com lead, and yet he manages to do it in the end.
1: There's a fantastic book I read this summer called. I can't remember, I'll think of it. Hang on, it will come to me. And basically, he hated this movie so much that he didn't speak to, um, what's his name? Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis, yeah. He didn't speak to him again for over 20 years after this film was completed. He hated it. He hated everything about it. They fell out on set and then they ended up not talking. And then Harold Ramis was dying and he went to his deathbed and they made it up. And he watched the film. He went to a, like a movie theater and sat in the back and watched it. And apparently, he said they said, um, and then he went to the um, the musical of it. And they said he went back again and again and again. And he realised it was a work of genius, but with the script and the direction and everything, it was just his personal thing. He hated it so much. I must remember the name of that book because it's brilliant. Um, but. Um,
0: well, it's I mean, just, it, 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 it sort of crushed Danny Rubin in a sense, and he and he kind of he's sort of yeah. grown, he's grown out of the film, as it were. It it, 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 it was something he could never better because it was like you like you describe it was. Oh, I
1: know, and I, and that's the worst thing to do, isn't it? Is to have one great success and then just chase the dragon the whole of the rest of your and, life. And it's
0: fascinating. Don't you? I mean, the idea that in in the film, there's there's a there's no exp- like like your, what you were saying before about not knowing who the parents are, not knowing your life history. Mm. There's no explanation either for the change or no. or why the change ends. Yeah, there's than,
1: no, it, no indication as to why there's a, ma- a magic. And, and you and I both know that wasn't it, wasn't it supposed to have gone on for 33,000 years? Yes. <laughs> ten years but they've got it
0: down to now, I think, or 10,000 yeah, 10, days at least.
1: But originally, Daniel Rubin wrote 33,000 years. But what I love about it is how it, it works the rom-com theory brilliantly is he falls in love with a woman and, and betters himself to win her. And he never actually, because just that lovely scene where she's listing off the characteristics she enjoys in a man, he goes, me, me, more me, where he's obviously learning for the next day that he's going to have done that, and that he uses this time. It's a bit, it's, a, it's an allegory for now. He uses the time to learn the piano and heart surgery and to save lives and to fall in love with a woman and to get the girl of his but is
0: but, but isn't it also the most exacting stalker you've ever known.
1: <laughs> do, do you know what? I had never thought of it like that because I'm a romantic and you're a psycho.
0: <laughs> because when I pull that, it's like until when you get to the bit with the suicides, which is where the uh, kind of existential yeah. crisis is, you're like, this film is dark as tar. And then for yeah. some reason, like you say, it then opens up like a bloody flower and turns into yeah. this amazing rom-com ending that you're you're wiping the tears from your eyes and you, you're oh happy no, as Larry. just
1: lovely. And when he looks out of the window and the snow has stopped and you go, and you just hope. I mean, sometimes in moments of abject boredom when I don't want to write, I try and unravel the logic of how she, she's living the day that many times or but actually it doesn't matter but anyway I showed it to my goddaughter because Mm. I was desperate to to get a a new generation she's 15 to get a new generation on board and she absolutely hated it and now i absolutely hate it no i don't I love it. <laughs> but like if somebody doesn't like it i genuinely judge them if it's not for you on any level on a comedy level or a story level or an interested level i do go oh i, I judge you i'm judging you because i just again think it's lovely is it 80s? did you say oh
0: 1993 go on finish oh, okay. your thought
1: I just was gonna say, it feels very much of the time and it, you know, like I love I love that about it. There seemed like there was a lot of good movies.
0: When I was looking back over it and I did I did completely and utterly pull it apart, I've got a spreadsheet of the whole bloody thing. Um, oh, yeah Yeah, like an idiot that I am. Um, <laughs> and but it was fun for me and Yeah, I get that. It's it's the fact that they don't give you any logic. I don't know how and, and you know that if you try to write it. You'd be constantly going right. How does this work? What's the science? And, no, and, I and, know. And it was but ha- do you know what? Some
1: idiot development person who's been in the job for eight seconds would do that. Could you work out the logic? And and it, it you'd have to. And, and and it feels like in those days that kind of thing wasn't prescient like it is now. There wasn't the panicketyness of that.
0: I can't remember which way around it was, and maybe my notes tell me um, it was Harold. Re- yeah, the original script did have did have a kind of. Gypsy's Curse, sort of thing.
1: Yeah, no, it did, like a witch. And Harold, because you get It's because the... he was a dick. It was a bit Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Until you look. But anyway, look who's going over the five minutes. It's not me, is it?
0: I'm the host. <laughs> I'm allowed to.
1: Oh, I get it.
0: I get it. Right then. Let's. I think this. I think in my lifetime, I think this next film is probably the rom com of rom coms. And probably this is at the height of my most snarky, everything must be visceral. I had Godflesh written on the back of my biker jacket. So the idea this film was going to appeal to me is so minute. I obviously reluctantly admit now that it's a very good film in every way that a film is good. But at the time, it was a bit like Oasis. It just dominated the cultural landscape of what Cool Britannia was, that I hated it for that. Not because it was a bad movie. I obviously i am talking about... 1994's Four Weddings and a Funeral. There are one or two things you
2: need for a successful wedding. Tact. So, John, how's that that gorgeous girlfriend of
0: yours? Uh, She's no longer my girlfriend. Ah, dear. Still, I wouldn't get too gloomy about it. Rumor has it she never stopped bonking old Toby Delisle just in case you didn't work out. She is now my wife.
2: A discreet best man.
0: When Werner told me he was getting engaged to Lydia, i congratulated him because all his other girlfriends have been such complete dogs.
3: <laughs>
0: Although, may I say how-how delighted we are to have so many of them here
2: this evening. Delightful guests. How would you do?
0: My name's Charles. Don't be ridiculous. Charles died 20 years ago. It must be a different child, I think. Are you telling me I don't know my own brother?
2: No, no. An experienced vicar. Who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Goat. Ghost. And a loving bride. I do. Ah! A film with a message. Don't get married. Unless you fall recklessly in love. I feel it in my finger. I feel it in my
0: toe. What
2: do you think? Divine.
3: Love
0: around me
3: And so the feeling
2: Hugh Grant and Andy McDowell invite you to four weddings and a funeral. May almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Bravo.
0: Written by the the if if she's if Nora's the godmother, then he's either godfather of yeah he is I would
1: would say that because before I even launch into the impact this had on my life, I'm just going to say on one of the you can start the clock it's fine but I have to on one of. Oh, on one of the other lists I did for you, yes. the tall guy was on, which was Richard Curtis's first film with Jeff Goldblum. Not, I may not have been his first film. It's directed by Mel Smith. It was Jeff Goldblum and Emma Thompson. And it is hilarious. And I can't get hold of it now. So if anyone can, I'd love to see it again. Um, but... Richard Curtis started with that, and so I had already known who he was for years because of my obsession with the tall guy, without knowing, without putting the pieces together when this movie so you came were out. There, you that were that there at him. the
0: start of it, were you? you were there, well, the, I didn't realise. I album.
1: have to say, <laughs> I didn't realise, but when this came out there were two movies that changed my life and it was at the time when I was studying film studies right. and it was Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. literally changed my life, and four weddings and a funeral, and they both appealed to me for different reasons, obviously, because they're not the mm-hmm. same film, but they both had such a massive impact on my life that they I credit them with changing me a little bit. And uh, this came out, and again, anti-structure. I couldn't understand how it worked, and of course I do now because I've worked in the industry for 25 years or something, but I couldn't work out that those five stu- sections still must have make the arc of a rom-com. I just It wouldn't sink in, but I thought it was the cleverest thing I'd ever seen. And it was funny, and it did British comedy at its height. And at the time, I think I only knew Charlotte Coleman, who hmm. played the friend. And I knew her because she was in Wurzel Gummidge, and she played Marmalade Atkins when I was a little, little girl. Yes. And and she, so I knew that actress. And so to see this... I, mean, I probably knew other people as well, but to see this utterly fantastic cast to a man delivering these lines that sounded snarky and sarcastic and that bunch of friends. And, like, again, logic-wise, how the hell did they all get invited to Annie McDowell's wedding? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, you can do that. But actually, who cares? Because it worked so fantastically. And by the time... I'm, spoiler alert, but um, uh, Simon, Simon Cowell? It's not Simon Cowell. Simon Callow dies. Yeah. It's the other way around. Callow dies. I and mean, actually, if you can hear, stop all the clocks, cut off the telephone, prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone without a tear coming to your eye, I don't know who you are, you hard-hearted bastard.
0: No, I must admit, that's when, I remember when I first watched it, and that bit really caught me out, like, properly. Because, I'm obviously, I went in going, This is just soppy nonsense.
3: Yeah.
0: And then I was soppy nonsense watching the film.
1: Well, I'm really pleased because at the time, Mm. I stole a lobby card. I stole something from the cinema... Uh, which I still have somewhere upstairs because I was just just obsessed with it. I just thought it was fantastic, and I can still watch it today. Right up until is it raining? I haven't noticed. And I just I do remember thinking because Andy McDowell was also that was this. I didn't realise these were so close together, but ninety three and ninety four mm. weren't they? And then she was in Green Card. Do you remember with Gerard Depardieu? Yes. And I never rated her as an actress. I think her daughter is fantastic in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She's manky feet, isn't she? Mm. Um, um, but I never rated her as an actress and I think it's quite funny she's in both. But it feels like she wasn't the original choice to play that role. Now, I may be wrong. It feels like they went through many stops and they went just get it cast and move on. And the fact the British people steal the show a thousand times over on that. James Fleet, oh, it's just fantastic. I just love it.
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean, she's You're right, she's not the best actor in the world, but she has that thing that you need to be a movie star, which is presence, you know, like... Yeah, she does. And this is going to sound like a really crass comparison because I don't know what I can think of off the top of my head. Christopher Lee isn't the greatest actor in the world, but when he's on the screen, you can't take your eyes off him. Yeah. And she's got what that skill too.
1: Yeah, yeah. But she does pull it off, like when they're doing the people she slept with. And th- and th- there's that line, though, that you can imagine a million other actors saying, where she goes, we're engaged now or something, uh, when she- he leaps out of bed. Because I was just joking. I think it's some kind of softness of voice. She's like, I i can't understand why he didn't choose me. I think, and I had this massive crush on him, mm. as I mean, it's so typical that I did. And I would watch anything, and I think Two Weeks Notice was really good that he did. I think, um, Nine Months was one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. If we're talking his other rom com about a boy, fantastic music and lyrics, take well, it or leave it. What's
0: interesting, the director, <laughs> Mike Newell. As directed oh, I a bunch love of him. Stuff. but but like yeah. when you look at him, you think of this being such a what people make as a peak in his career. But like Donny Brasco, and then Donny you... Brasco is one of my
1: favourite films of all time. I love it.
0: Yeah, but it's it's not. I, then... I
1: like an awfully big adventure. That's a Mike Newell. Oh shit, that went that went really quick.
0: <laughs> this one is probably the least well known. Yeah. Of of this of this this selection, it's not an unknown film. I'm not side the clock. By the way, this is just my preamble. I just like this fact. The second film of two thousand and nine, where Julia Roberts was reportedly offered the Lee role, and Sandra Bullock took it instead. Blind Side was the same year.
1: Oh God, that film.
0: <laughs> That's not my choice. <laughs> and it was um, and yeah. the proposal, which I think this is where I've I've decided not to watch them like as a set of dogma, because um, the proposal was number was Sandra Bullock's best box office at the time. No.
3: You're cutting it close. Ah! Oh,
2: come on! Good
1: morning, Miss Tate. I need you around this weekend. you have a problem with
2: that? No, I I, I just, my grandmother's 90th birthday, so I, I was gonna go home, and it's fine. I'll cancel it. Is that your family? Yes. They tell you to quit? Every single day. Margaret Tate's office not about my second raise, is it? Margaret, your visa application is denied. You're being deported. Deported? It's not like I'm an immigrant or something. I'm
3: from Canada.
2: If you're deported, you can't work for an American company. If there was any way at all that we could make this thing work. Pardon the interruption. Um... I understand the predicament, but there is something that you should know. We are, uh, we're getting married. Who, who is getting married? You and I. You and I are getting married. Yes. We are. Getting married. We
1: are getting married. Yes. Can't fight a a love like ours. So, uh, uh, are we good?
2: Make it all legal and we'll put this whole thing behind us. I'm not gonna marry you. (laughs) If you don't, you'll be on the street all alone looking for a job. Have the two of you told your parents about your secret love? We're going to their place this weekend. Oh, where's that? Alaska. Alaska. He'll sleep in here with you. We love to snuggle,
3: don't we, honey? Huge snugglers. Breakfast for the happy couple. <laughs> oh,
2: my God, what is that? I'm sorry.
3: What is it? It's the morning. This summer... How
2: can you be around someone who made your life so miserable? Sweetie? Honey? Some proposals change you. Why don't you get married here tomorrow? Let's see a kiss. Why do just do it really fast? fast. Mm-hmm. Ah. For better or worse... <laughs>
3: oh. <laughs>
2: Sandra Bullock.
3: Hello?
2: Ryan Reynolds.
3: Oh! Oh! oh. oh my Why God! Why are you naked? Why are you oh la-
2: The Proposal.
3: Maybe a tad uh, loose in certain areas. I'm a bit chesty to begin with. It's like an Easter egg. On... There they are. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Your cold. You're
0: yes, you're... The writer of Proposal wrote Crazy Rich Asians.
1: I did Yeah, I didn't know
0: Um And from a personal point of view, the director, Anne Fletcher, did Guilt Trip, the Barbra Streisand Seth Rogen. Oh, I like that. Which but she, is also genius. Did Wears,
1: she also did Devil Wears Prada, which is fantastic and would have made the list ha- where it a rom-com because I just think that's great performances in that.
0: So, um, tell, so tell me about Ryan Reynolds versus Sandra Bullock in The Proposal.
1: So really, really, really difficult choice to put this in this space. I mean, there's films like Pretty Woman that they, they didn't... I didn't include it in my things, which is such a classic rom-com, and I swear to God I would watch it every single time it came on television, and yet I've chosen The Proposal, so I haven't even seen that many times. I've probably seen it eight times, but compared to Pretty Women. I chose it because it came out at a time, 2009, did you say, when the rom-com wasn't actually very popular And it crept in, and I went to see it out of duty because I swear i go and see any rom-com. I want the the ticket prices to show that people go and see them because it's what I can write. I can write these things. I want people to go and see them. And I went to see it, and I just thought it was brilliant. Now, I don't think it's as good as Pretty Woman, but what I did think was, why aren't more people falling over to make this type of movie? And I, I hope you've done your research and can tell me how much it made but it's something like 320 million isn't
0: it i haven't done that research my research includes that sandra bullock says do nudity for laughs that's how you make big box office
1: uh, really yeah well she's not you only see the back of her bot- butt
0: crack well she you does cite popper. she does cite will ferrell as 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 a as an influence yeah,
1: well, I think it's a really neat concept, and it was written. And I think this appealed to me as well. I, when it came out, I became quite obsessive about looking into it because I really, really, really enjoyed it. It was clever. It was smart. It was funny. It had a good concept. It had proper jokes. It made me laugh, so, and it was funny. Like It did everything that is required of a rom-com, and I thought it was going to cause an explosion. But basically, I looked into the guy, and it's his name, Peter Webber, that wrote it. No, it's something like that. Peter Chara... Chiarelli.
0: Chiarelli
1: or something, yeah, yeah. that's right. Actually,
0: let's say Chiarelli, and I'll edit that. Chiarelli. So he
1: was a studio exec. And he was about the level that I was at when I wrote my first film that got made. And he wrote the proposal because he wanted to be a writer, decided he didn't want to be a yeah, studio. Yeah, because he, he, he
0: co-produced the uh, Shia LaBeouf Shire um, thriller Eagle Eye the year before.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. And he was this kind of like guy that I really related to. I think he was about the same age as me at the time. And he wrote this and I thought, that's the kind of, career that I want and it's smart the structure is great the concept is good the jokes are there it works you've got good casting the it was really good casting and and it's funny because I don't think Julia Roberts would have she would have done her own thing but I like they're very playful and good together Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds uh I think he's quite a good comic actor and he's done other things I really think I I I kind of set, I think my heart has chosen this one because I set my store in the fact that this is a guy that can write rom-coms. And it's not that usual that it's a guy. This is a guy that can write rom-coms that knows structure and knows funny and has put everything he's got into this one. Mm. And And I was thrilled when it did so much money. And I really hoped that that saw a new dawn and that perhaps was sort of when apatel stuff which i love like bridesmaids was really close to coming in here but in the end i decided that that was a comedy comedy and not really a rom-com in my but the romance bit is the worst bit of that the bits with chris O'Dowd. so that i left it off but this is a true honest structural race to the airport rom-com and i thought for that reason i wanted to
0: give it a a nod and how does it compare to um crazy crazy um
1: rich asians Asians. it's actually i think it's a lot lot better crazy rich asians is quite rambling it goes all over the place some of the performances are really ropey and it's a bloody great big romp Hmm. it's really funny and if you've got um what's his name from the hangover Kim Jong, no, what's his name, that leaps out of the boot, him, Mr. Yep, Chow yep, from The yep. Hangover, if he's in it, or if Awkwafina's in it, it's laugh out loud funny. If some of the others are in it, it's got better. But structurally, it's very lumpy. But it was a book, and it, it's very honourable towards the book, mm. and it tells the entire rambling story, and it goes on a bit. The proposal is just a very, very neatly told start, middle, end Three act structure, perfectly funny, acute you should write a poem like this, and I felt very pleased that a guy that came from development had done that and had done it perfectly and not it hadn't been messed around with too much
0: so you think you it, think that's part of his secret it was it was allowed to be what what he set out in his vision
1: no I, th- I think he prov- uh I think he provided it and it and it got realized, and I'm happy for that.
0: You were you were bang on with the uh, with the box office, by the way, 317 million, according to.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a phenomenal amount of money for for a first time writer. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you.
0: For a for and for a 40 million dollar movie, it's a hell of a return. Yeah,
1: it's isn't that amazing? And that, that's the thing. I thought we're all going to get a turn now, and that was 11 years ago, and we haven't.
0: <laughs> we will get our turn.
1: We will. We're waiting in the wings there,
0: Stuart. We are. <laughs> so let me run down then. Your five great rom-coms, excluding yes. the ones that you uh, you mentioned in our opening uh, Chitter Chatter, Uh yeah. Sure Thing from 1985, John Cusack versus Daphne Zuniga. We've got When Harry Met Sally, 1989, Meg Ryan versus Billy Crystal.
3: Yeah.
0: We've got Groundhog Day, Andy McDowell versus Bill Murray.
1: I love the fact you say versus, like, that. we're in a boxing
0: match. <laughs> well, it's that thing about the writing structure, about they repel, yeah. they're attracted. I like, I like yeah, that idea. Yeah, it yeah, yeah, you're it, right. Story terms, it's like a competition, isn't it? It's like will Yeah, yeah, you're
3: right.
0: And one of them's trying to win him, one of them's trying to run away, and yeah, then yeah. one's got to realise that they don't, they've don't. got to stop running away, haven't they? Four weddings yeah. and a funeral, Andy McDowell versus Hugh Grant, and uh, the proposal, Ryan Reynolds versus Sandra Bullock. Um, yeah. They're all... I mean, I want to see the sure thing. For all of its you for must. all of its politically correct wrong reasons, that uh, yeah, that, that the idea <laughs> that your mate would ring you up and say get get three thousand miles over here, I've got a shag yeah. for you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, imagine that pitch yeah. if you have had to pitch that one. I'm not going to bother. I think
1: <laughs> I've wasted enough time in my career. I'm really not going to touch on that. And
0: that's, the, the, the thing is, it's like a lot of things when you begin to unpack them. Like I say, when I did when I did my uh, deep dive on Groundhog Day, you begin to see it's the most Brilliantly executed stalking job you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, and once you start thinking right. of it that way, it it becomes dark as hell. And um, yeah, and they all are in a way. I mean, if you,
1: if I you... mean they all are, and that's the thing that the um, leaping forward to just put your hand behind, which is all favourite thing when we were young. We used to love it when a man and rom com put their hand in the back of the lady's head, like through the hair, and pulled them in to kiss them without them asking. You can't do it now.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and this is this is about female agency, isn't it? So are you are you seeing oh. now, and, and is it represented in the proposal? Being that's two thousand nine, this idea that the because there was very one sided the, the 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 tradition of the rom com was very one sided, wasn't it? It was about yeah a guy who wanted to get his rocks off, having to discover yeah. That you yeah, don't that just get that loves more than getting yeah. your rocks off.
1: But that's what's interesting about the proposal. It's the woman, she's the boss, and he she, he was the assistant. And it's a lovely take on it. Mm. It was a lovely take on it because she had to back down. And it felt very modern at the time. I should have probably mentioned that, but it felt very modern and it really worked for me and I just thought sort it of, and in a funny way, they did it really well. And she actually gave a really good performance. Way better than she in the blind side. <laughs>
0: In de- but didn't- I think she won a for Blindside, didn't she?
1: She got an Oscar,
0: yeah. So did. let's remind people then. What is your um, your little viral sensation called again?
1: It's called Lock Me Up, Lock Me Down, and you can find it on Tamsin Raffin's uh, YouTube. T A M Z I N.
0: I will put R-A-F-N. it. I will put a link in the show notes and it will go. Oh, on I don't the know. Why I'm
1: spelling it to you.
0: <laughs> and I will put it in the show notes when it goes when it goes live. It just gives me to say. Thank you very much for giving us your time on the Britflix podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed that. Oh, that's wasted a couple of hours as well, hasn't it, Bab?
0: Alan Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning.